Welcome back to Africa Science Focus. I'm your host, Halima Athmani. Dementia affects more than 50 million people worldwide with a new diagnosis every three seconds. The majority of people living with dementia are in low and medium income countries. And the number of dementia cases are expected to rise in developing countries over the next 30 years. Dementia is a term that describes a range of brain disorders that affect memory, thinking, behavior, and emotion. Alzheimer's disease is the most common form of dementia. And while this mostly affects elderly people, younger people can also experience dementia. This week, our reporter, Michael Kaloki, speaks to psychologist Elizabeth Mtunga, the founder of Alzheimer's and Dementia Organization Kenya. Later in the episode, we'll hear how the duty of care for people with dementia often falls to women. But first, symptoms of dementia can be dismissed in sub-Saharan Africa as natural signs of old age. Elizabeth tells us why she became a champion for dementia support. So this journey started in uh, 2007 when I realized that there was lack of information about dementia. Around 92, my dad started showing symptoms that we were not understanding what the problem was. But later, after about 15 years, that's when we were told that it's actually dementia, Alzheimer's type. And so for me, I thought I wouldn't want somebody else to go through that because they do not understand what they're dealing with. And so we started the organization to try and help other caregivers understand where to seek help. And maybe if you could just um, elaborate a little bit for me about what it was like helping your father deal with the condition. I don't think I actually helped him deal with the condition. I think because of lack of understanding, because we thought either he was pretending or he was just being difficult or he's just refusing to do what we want him to do. Little did we know that it was actually a disease and he was also struggling. So later now when I look back, there are many times, like for example, he would wake up on a Tuesday and say it is a Sunday and he's going to church. And here I am picking the calendar and marking it for him and telling him, no, today is Tuesday, so we shall we have all these other days before Sunday and that this is where you go to church and then he tells me do I look like a two-year-old so he felt belittled so a lot of times we we would have these fights that would have been avoided if I had understood better what the condition is because once you understand what they're going through and you get into their world you are able to give better care is there a better understanding now of dementia in the country from your perspective? Um, I can say there are steps to better understanding the condition than before, but we are not there yet. Still, a lot of people associate it with either witchcraft or somebody must have done something to the gods, so they're getting punished for it. So there's still a lot of work still required to bring the awareness, but we are not where we were at when we started creating awareness initially. Could you talk to me a bit more about that cultural perspective in regards to dementia? There's the stigma related to it. You mentioned witchcraft there. Could you perhaps expound a bit more on that? So a lot of people, because of lack of understanding, have a lot of fears and thinking that if they're associated with somebody who's got dementia, then they could get it. 
like even when I w- would talk about my dad's condition, a lot of people would say, no, that is a Western condition. People in Africa don't get that disease. It's part of growing old, which is not true because we know a lot of people who have, yeah, they're in their 90s and they are still very aware of what's going on and they're very present. And like somebody who's got dementia, who's talking about things that happened many years back because of loss of their short-term memory. So a lot of things, because of lack of awareness, so a lot of people are not able to say what it is. And so you will try and look for answers with what we think could be the issue and the situation. Elizabeth's association is best in Nairobi with plans for more offices across Kenya. While there are dementia support organizations in some countries, such as South Africa, Nigeria, and Uganda, these services remain rare across the region. Elizabeth is supported by a network of dedicated volunteers like Wambui Karanja, who says Elizabeth's courage and advocacy has inspired her own work. All right, so uh, on the bench here in the Arboretum, I've been joined by Wambui and one boy, would I be correct in saying that uh, perhaps maybe one day you hope to pick up the mantle and uh, move along and spread Liz's uh, awareness about uh, dementia? Yes, yes. It's really my passion to support people with dementia and awareness of dementia, not just in the public, but also in the healthcare space and to develop programs that are people-centered, that are, that are culturally relevant, and that truly meet the needs of the people we work with. So it's, it's a very difficult field to break through with lack of training on the continent, uh, lack of data and research, and a lonely field in that there are not many people who work in the field. You noted that there are not many people in the field. Why, why would you say so? Why, why do you think that is the reason? It's, it's an array of reasons. It's so many reasons. Like across the globe, for the people I've met who work in dementia, they've gotten to work in the field because of their personal experiences being affected by dementia, their grandparents, their parents, and actually realizing there's a big gap in research, in treatment, in awareness and just stepping up into that field. And that's how Elizabeth got into the field. That's how I've gotten in the field. Wambui and Elizabeth provide support to the families of people living with dementia. They have a helpline, counseling, fun activities and training sessions all aimed at providing more information and addressing the lack of awareness in sub-Saharan Africa. In your push to create awareness about Alzheimer's, what challenges have you faced? One, having people just come out and speak about it. And I don't blame them. I know it's very difficult to be at a place where you have a loved one with a condition and you do not want to expose them. But sometimes also when you speak about it, then you will help somebody else. But initially, the government did not even understand what it was all about. At least there are changes now. And we are able to communicate with the Ministry of Health and they are very involved, especially now with Alzheimer's Month and creating their awareness. Another challenge we are having is that funding. We don't have money. <laughs> we do a lot of work from our own pockets. So you can just do as much because uh, we have volunteers. We're not even able to even give anything at the moment. So we, we would want to do more, but we are constrained financially. Another challenge is that um, having to to put this material out in different languages so that different people understand 
from their perspective. Because even if you speak to in English and you're going down into the grassroots and people do not understand English very well, I don't even think we have a name for dementia or even Alzheimer's disease. And what they call in one community is not what you'll find in another community. So trying to just take that information down to the grassroots has also been a challenge. One boy, Elizabeth, is an inspiration to you. Uh, how has her work inspired you? Liz has inspired me by, uh, for her, the courage to speak up. As she has said before, people who have been affected by dementia sometimes find it hard to speak up and to, to seek help and to support other people. She's been selfless and kind enough to support other caregivers, champion for policies, advocate for better care, just being a really selfless person to move this field forward and support people who need the help. Elizabeth, how does dementia impact families in sub-Saharan Africa and economic development, particularly women and girls who would likely be responsible for caring for parents with dementia and may be forced to leave school or employment? That is very common because usually most of the caregivers are women. And either it is the daughter or the lady, the wife, maybe, who's taking care of her husband, who has to quit her job. Now, if the person living with dementia is a gentleman and the person who has to leave work is a lady, those are two incomes lost in the family. And dementia is not a condition that is cheap. It's quite expensive. And as the, the disease progresses, then you will notice that you're spending more and more on medication, their hospital visits, to have nursing aid at home. So it is very costly. What are some of the unique cultural responses to Alzheimer's? For example, in the UK and Australia, they tend to put dementia patients in care homes with professional staff. Is this something that you're seeing happening in Kenya and sub-Saharan Africa? And, you know, is there support available to families? Um, that's a question that a lot of people battle with. Because in Africa, uh, we take care of our own. We do not leave our loved ones in homes. But now a lot of the young people are either leaving the country and so their parents are here alone. And so it's something that a lot of people are now considering putting them in homes. And so we've had people reaching out to us and asking us, which homes can I take my loved one to? Things are changing. Think people are starting to open up and thinking about it, especially here in Kenya. And a lot of people, even I was having a conversation with my colleague from Uganda, and she was saying that some of the things that also people are asking them, a lot of times we almost want to copy-paste what's out there in the, in the first world countries, but then try and bring it here. Sometimes it works, sometimes it does not work at all and flops miserably. Could COVID have an impact on the future of research on Kenya's families or maybe on your organization's efforts, for example? So COVID, yes, has played a big role. And we were working on a project with Stride, which is strengthening dementia awareness in developing countries. And a lot of work that we had planned to do in the field, we had to stop for a while because that is when we were still coming to terms with what COVID is, what is required of us as we are out on the field. So it has played a big role in taking us back. We had already made steps, but now we have, we have to retrace our steps and now start again. Because as it is in Kenya, there are no numbers. People don't talk about it, and a lot of people, even when they go to hospital, it is not because of dementia, it will be because of another condition. And so a lot of times it will not be picked out. 
we saw it's about 61,000 people with the condition, but I believe there are more people who have that condition in Kenya than the 61,000. For us, the numbers we have, we can talk about is the people who have reached out to the organization, but there are very many people who may don't even have maybe internet or have never even heard of uh, this condition before. And so they don't even know what it is about. So they'll never reach out. So until people understand exactly what to look out for, we are yet to get the proper numbers. Right. Elizabeth, in terms of uh, getting better data on people with dementia on the continent, what do you think can be done or should be done? I think um, it's just creating more awareness. Keep talking about it. The momentum has to be there all the time. And then also working with the government. Maybe we can even agree, maybe with the Ministry of Health, for example, to have like five questions where if people of a certain age come to hospital, they ask these kind of questions from how they will answer, then that can tell us where they are. Because without numbers, it's very hard to convince even the government that this is an issue that needs to be tackled. But if you have the numbers, then it is easier for you to say, hey, these are the numbers that we have and we can see it's a problem. And with time, it is going to become worse and worse. So why don't we start putting systems in place to ensure that things are working for the better of people living with a condition. Do you think this is replicated in other sub-Saharan African countries? That is, uh, a push for more awareness. It would help also in that regard. Oh, yes. Yes. It is every time, especially when we speak with the African continent, this is the same thing that we all are facing because it doesn't seem as a priority. It's always put at the back burner. These are people who have already served the country. They're already in their old age. I mean, what else? I mean, it's not like the younger people or we are fighting for them to give back to the society. But still, these are people who can still give back if given an opportunity and by having proper care. And so I don't think they should be put in the box. So I think it's something that we really need to start talking about and making sure that our voices are heard for their sake because they will not speak for themselves. It is we who shall speak for them. You can find out more about Elizabeth Mtunga's career and her Alzheimer's and dementia organization by visiting www.sidev.net. That's www.scidev.net. Today's program was produced by Harrison Lewis and edited by Fiona Broom with reporting from Michael Kaloki. Africa Science Focus is produced by SciDevNet and distributed in association with your local radio station. I'm Halima Afmani. See you again next week. This program was funded by the Carnegie Corporation of New York.